Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Edit audio. Hello, everyone. I'm Robin Hopkins, and this is Well Adjusting, where I talk to people about life stuff, but not in an NPR way. It's more like we're at the bar, having cocktails, getting into your business sort of way. It's it's giving drunk NPR. Oh, and producer Steph is here, too. Hello. Today we chat, well, the great political divide. Hi, everyone. Okay, okay, okay. Are you taking deep breaths? Um, I am because on today's show, we are tackling a very big issue when families are on opposite side of politics. Now, this episode, it's it's very close to home because our guest today is my own sister, Kim. And, well, we're talking about the elephant in our room, which is how we have drifted apart on some of our views and the impact that it has had on our relationship. Okay, here we go. Okay, all right. So, all right, today's interesting. We normally, hold on, I'm opening champagne because oh, I think it's goodness. it's mission critical for this conversation. So we normally like to start with, and now you're going to hear me, hold on, glug, 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 glug. Keep it going. You normally like to start with a problem, right? The person's problem, and it's the problem and the thing that we're going to pick apart. But today, in a weird way, this is my problem uh, because- One we, of many. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many problems. Um, hey, you don't laugh. Um, so we have today, my sister is here. Say hi. Hi. Don't skimp. I'm not skimping. I'm pouring the whole bottle. Holy crap. She's bossier than I am, just so people know. Um, And we grew up upstate in a certain type of home. And we both had, I would say, similar political views, I think. I think we, I didn't know that I had to have any because nobody ever talked to us about anything. That's true. So we, I don't think they even voted. Our parents? Yeah, I don't think so. Tell me when on the OJ. You want to splash? Yeah, way less. Okay, then that one will be yours. that'll be mine. That's great. Wait, we have to do this. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, big ears. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so back to the thing. So I ended up very liberal. Kim moved down to the South and married someone uh, from the South. And you have a lot of influences down there. And I feel, and I could be wrong, but um, you went a little further on the right. And Trump was elected. And a divide started to happen. We had 
problems and visits where we we had to declare a politics-free zone. We started off trying to make a joke out of it. Like, I remember coming to visit and Kim had put up a, like, no politics talks happens here, like, on her door. And we all laughed. And But it got really hard. It got really hard. And I wrote an article because I think that we are indicative of what's happening in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is really, like, it's it's two levels. Like, how do you maintain relationships with people who feel differently from you at a time when the stakes feel so high? And how do we all get better? Like, how do we all kind of come back together? So I'm hoping that you, Kim, will have a solution in the next five to 10 minutes, and then we've solved world peace and we get a humanitarian award. And, and we open the pop, other bottle yeah. of champagne. And we have more champagne. So that's that's the long preamble of why we're here. But I want love to hear it from your words. I mean, all of what you said as far as like the divide, I think mine comes from what I do for a living more than where I live. Meaning I'm in the mortgage industry mm-hmm. and finance and the economy and all of that is so much ingrained in what I do, I think that I have a different lens. Not to say that you're not yeah. fiscally, you know, on top of things. I think I think I just look at it more from that well, lens. Many which of my being, opinions come from my gayness. You know, it's like we're looking at it through each of our lenses. Exactly. Yeah. But you have to find the middle ground because it's not working the the impetus for me to write the essay that I wrote was uh, when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, mm-hmm. and we had been, and I might I might get emotional, but we had been talking about it, and it had been hard. It had been very hard, but when she died, I was very very concerned about our rights as gays, women's reproductive rights, and we had a call, and I I got this upset. Because I was like, I don't have the faith that you have. And not to be like, I was fucking right, but like women's rights have evaporated. And I always played out the Donald Trump thing to the conclusion of that's where we're going to end up. It's going to take away rights from our family. And we had a really good talk. And we said, we should sit down and talk about this. And we did not. We 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 did not. We we've opened the. Is gates. anybody surprised by well, that? No, because uncomfortable conversations you don't want to have. You know, I mean, I consider you one of my closest friends. I mean, I would like you even if you weren't my sister. I would want to hang nice. out with you even if you weren't my sister. But you don't want to lose that by talking about something. I mean, there's a reason they say you don't talk about politics and religion and whatever it is in in mixed company because you, it's hard topics. But if we don't talk about it, then what I what I didn't realize is before that article that we had kind of drifted apart. And what really I hadn't thought about it, but Sydney said something to me. Sydney's her daughter. Yeah, my daughter, and she said, "I'm so glad you and Aunt Robin are getting close again." And I was like, "Oh." And then I was like, you know, we had kind of put that that boundary there that kept us from talking. You know, I wasn't calling you every day that I go to Walmart going, I'm on the way to the grocery store. You I know, don't think I ever asked you to do that, but you, you do like do to that. talk to me, though. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't realize that that divide was there. But when you wrote that article and you sent it to me, 
it was some kind of really weird subject line, like, you know, think about this and whatever. And I was like, what? What is yeah, this? Yeah, because I didn't, just so everyone knows, like, I didn't just write it, blast it, and put it out to the universe. I made sure she was okay with it before I posted it. I think it opened the door, you know, for us to have a conversation. Just us. Because it's hard to do that when you've got all of the other outside, you know, my husband has his opinions um, and some places were synced and some places were not. But, you know, having a conversation with you and me is dealing with our issues. Everything else is kind of separate. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, where I think you and I come together is that we both are like sort of no nonsense workers and weren't like, we just had it with the bullshit. Like I was so excited. You sent me a text the other day about, um, cause we're recording this in July. This is going to air in like October ish or whatever, November. But it was uh, right after Mitch McConnell Ugh. had that horrible freezing thing on camera where it's like, maybe he had a stroke. We don't know what happened at this point, but you sent me a text saying, uh, hey, this is ridiculous. He needs to retire. And I was so glad to hear that because to me, that is what I think is missing in the larger portion of the conversation. Common sense. Like, I don't just think he should retire. I think all of Feinstein them. should retire. I think Grassley should retire. Like your staff is running things. You are not like Feinstein is clearly not home. And I am looking for in these conversations, accountability. Like I will always be like the same should hold true for the Democrats as the Republicans. Absolutely, That to me is the really upsetting part is where it's all gone to nobody taking any responsibility. And it gets very tricky because I'm always looking for I'm like throwing out little like fishing lines to see like, oh, is she going to agree with me on this? So and, you don't feel like you can just ask. It's not about asking. It's that I think I just want you to be where I am on the stuff that feels really important to me. And and that's unfair. Like I'm saying that. Like I just well, no, I, like, because I'll be disappointed. Like your rights are important to me. I think the difference is I feel like the economy and finances and the condition of our country financially and economically drives everything else. Everything else. So I end up like in my mind when I'm voting and when I'm thinking about what I support and what I don't, thinking about how that is and how it trickles down to fixing the other problems that we have. Right. Because right now our economy is in the tank. And maybe that's not a reasonable way to think about it. But that's what I think about when I'm, you know, how can we be financially sound so that we can fix the other problems that we right. have? And I don't think that that's a bad way to look at things. But I think like when I'm hearing you say that, I think of all of the people and I would be saying Republicans, but like all of the people who vote against their own interests, like as a whole, it is my party that wants to help people. And it's as a whole, the other party that's like, like the tax breaks that went through those tax breaks did not help anyone in the lower, the lower portion of our country. Like they, they just did not. And so I'm like, oh my God, you're voting for people who are continuing to give breaks to corporations and individuals. Like no CEO should make $75 billion. There's you no know accountability I mean? for any of that. That's the thing. Right. It's and this like, is where we line up generally. Well, of course, like we have to find a way to hold our people accountable. Right. Nobody's held accountable. You're in this giant job interview and you throw all this crap out there, whether or not they believe it or not on either side of what they say they're going to do. And then nobody does really anything. Right. You know, and, ugh. and the propaganda is a real problem. But when I look mm -hmm. at the machine around Trump, I'm just like, this guy, like, has I just don't think he should run after law after law. It's like, I, th I think he should be prosecuted for the exact reason that you say, 
which is that we have to hold people accountable. However, it seems to be making this group of people who are buying into the propaganda, who are buying into the like, there's, it seems like there's no critical thinking. And I, I, I feel this is the part that I feel bad like saying to you because it's like I don't want to say I'm like, you know, blanketing this or that. But I feel like the Republican Party as a general rule are just like, fuck you, gun rights. We have no interest in meeting you in the middle. And maybe I have a pair of glasses on about my party because like, I think my party's filled with waste and red tape. And like we might have a good heart and set this program up. Like I can give a million examples coming out of COVID. It's like the bureaucracy of democracy sometimes I think is difficult. And and like, that's where we suck. I feel like the lesser of the two evils is a party that wants to do something good and a party that wants to do something bad. But again, like, I don't want to make this about that. I want to make it about how I come back together with you or how everyone can come back together. But I don't know how to do that when my underlying belief is that. That's the hardest part is being like, okay, well, I can't make it mean this. Because I think that's what I'm doing. I'm making it mean you're connected to people that, in my opinion, are not good people. And I I can't keep making it mean that because then we can't be together in our relationship. You can't get rid of me. (laughs) So do you think the generalizations of my party party is wants to do good? Your party doesn't want to do good. It's really general. There are problems with all kinds of things. But we say... Gun rights need to be dealt with. And then both sides go, rah. And the people who don't care enough to know more or to be critical in their thinking, that's all they hear. Yeah. Those are the people that we hear about. I think there are things that need to be fixed, but you have to talk about what needs to be fixed. It's the general sound bites that get us in trouble. At the end of the day, though, just based off this one example, one party is suggesting solutions or laws or accountability or regulations, and one party is trying to not. Um, like gun rights? Yeah. Okay. So, like in the state of Texas, I mean, there are, like if you, if you have convictions, you can't own a firearm. I mean, there are regulations and laws in place. For sure. Um, but do you believe, like, the party... Like when people are voting for the party, do you believe that they want regulations? I, be- I believe that what happens is when you say we need more regulations, you, the global you, whoever it is, all that's being said is, well, it's a constitutional right. So you have one shutting down the other yeah. or vice versa. And nobody's going, well, what laws are in place? What might need to be changed? Well, but that's not true, though. You look at New York State, and they did put through a whole bunch of um, regulations, and then a well-funded lobbyist group came like, in and came struck in and, it down. Yeah, and like we had New York City laws that were keeping guns away from school zones, keeping this, you know, and and they they just went after them. So it's like there is on that particular issue. There is that don't tread on me. Then that's that maybe, yeah, maybe that issue is a bad example because there is that it's very like, yes, no. And it, it might be a, a lesser example. But I mean, I think that the the issue with the lack of communication, and the lack of trying to figure out and drill down what's really the problem, what really needs to be fixed, what really isn't working. You can apply that to anything. Yeah. 
I think, and I said this in the article that I wrote, I think it's the 20% on the fringes of conservatism and the 20% on the fringes of liberalism that are the problem. Mm -hmm. There's 80% of us or 60% of us, if I could actually do math, that are like, can you all stop it? That's, you hit the nail on the head right there. That is the problem. The people in the middle, which is most of us, most of us on both sides, we're somewhere in the middle. We're probably somewhere in the middle on, you know, I'm, I might be more conservative financially, but socially, like my my belief in your ability to get married and do whatever, all of that stuff is more liberal. We're probably most of us in the middle. Well, and I just don't know why there's such an outsized voice. It's like, like I'm just the horror that I'm struck with about book bannings and libraries and like what's happening in Florida is a level of like, how can you not see that you are taking away rights from people and like you're going to tell me I'm indoctrinating a kid by me having a child and and then putting a book in the library don't read the book don't take that book out you have the right to not educate your kid in a public school system but you don't have a right without an educational doctorate to come in and tell a whole school system how they should run things that's the stuff that the, the hypocrisy of acting like you want less government, but then wielding it when it goes against your conservative Christian values. That is the part that I just can't let go of. Like, you can't take less government, but then say, I'm going to regulate trans issues. I'm going to regulate gay marriage. I'm going to regulate abortion. But you can say less less when it comes to my religion. And I want to tie it back to, like, what the initial problem is, is, like, We've now been talking for, I don't know, 22 minutes, whatever, however long, and we're immediately in the issues. And and what we're supposed to be talking about is how do we, how do we like live with one another, you know, the global we. The issue that I keep hearing you like say, but not say, is that at the end of the day, if, Kim, your party wins and has the power to do the things that they want to do, Robin, you lose your life. You lose your children. You lose your rights to be you in public. You lose probably your home, access to things. You lose a lot. Yeah. Like, those are the things that we all care about in life. Yeah. If your party wins, Robin, Kim, you lose money. And to, I think everyone... Those are not the same weight. They don't hold the same power. Yeah. And that's that's what's the shitty thing to say. And I, I totally understand what you're saying where like money does make influence. Right. So money can have the power to change social programs, can have the power to give Robin more rights, can have the power to do all of these things. But systemically, without the party being held accountable, it's not going to do those things. And I think it's a very scary thing. I mean, I come from a similar place with my siblings. It's a very scary thing to have to admit to someone that you love that loves you that the thing that they are doing could hurt you in an epic way. And I think it's also unreasonable to assume that you could feel the weight of that because you're not gay. (laughs) And you're and you're one person with one vote. You know, it's like to put that put that weight on you is like it's not fair. It just everything (laughs) Everything rises to a level for me of like, and I think some of this is like my issue of like all of what I'm about to say is my issue. I've somehow, and I don't think I'm alone in this, but I've made it be fucking humanity is broken. 
like people don't care about other people, like people when You're given the wrong. chance. Right. And and I see every vote, every position as another example of not critically thinking the impact of Donald Trump, not critically thinking the impact of you know, what these votes can do. Like, like but, our Supreme Court right now is like so fucked. In your defense, how can you not do that when what is at stake? Is Everybody at stake? looks through their I, lens of what is their world. I mean, that that's not a problem. That's normal. But I also think part of that is is my lens, but also is media. Media is designed to separate us now. Oh, 100%. There's nobody, like I, like, I long to find the equivalent of the BBC in the 90s that was just like someone just telling the news oh. without the, without the, you know, extempor- and here, and extemporizing. And here's the thing, because it's not out there, I mean, if I'm, if I want to know about something, I seek it out and I look for it, but I can't watch the news. I can't I've had listen to shut to it, it down now. Because it's just crap. Well, it's, I want to know the real deal. I don't want to know your opinion. I don't want to spin. You're, you're just bringing people on to spin. But everybody for a party is, or a whether or not it's fill in the blank or Fox or CBS or whatever, you're getting what they want us to hear. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So I think anybody who's listening to this has a really solid understanding of what's going on in this conversation. But like, we did a couple of things. We stopped talking about politics, but I don't know if that worked. Like, We what- did that at the beginning, and that was what kind of caused the divide, I think. But then you and I have had some alone time together, you know, with the couple of trips that we've had, I've had up here, where we had contained time to talk about certain things. Yeah. And I think that helped. I mean, we have to be able to talk. Yeah. That that's not just us. That's every family, every every group of people. You have to be able to talk about it in a way that's like maybe just to voice your opinion and to realize that that's just another person who has their own lens on and try to understand. I mean, you've said things to me and I went I never thought about it that way. That makes sense to me. I hope that, you know, I've said some things here and there that you went, I've never thought about it that way. That's the only way that you resolve any problems is to sit down and talk about it. It's the problem that we have with our leaders, our elected officials, who, by the way, work for us. They don't talk. Nobody, unless it's happening behind the scenes, but I don't think so. Right. I want to kind of switch gears because I think this is all very interesting. And quite frankly, we could talk about it for probably months or 700 days. But what I think is more interesting is how this affects you. So like how, how has it affected you and how have you 
learn to deal with that? Well, like I said, I didn't realize there was a divide. I mean, we are really the only family that we have left that we're in contact with. So there felt like a separation, even though I wasn't acknowledging it. Well, I think for me, what changed is that I felt like that piece that you said of, I feel an openness that you will take in what I'm saying and I'm giving you that. And I do think that that's one of the things that we all need is to like listen to one another, but that requires a commitment to changing if someone says something that is actually valid and real. And I think that if there's some other family out there that's in the same space, we both had to say we're committing to listening and we take a time out if it starts to get whatever and we change the subject. And did you have that conversation? Like you you talked to each other and you were like, I think this is how we do it. Like we both need to listen. We didn't. I think it was a special thing. I think me writing the thing because it was. was was the impetus because I said in the RBG conversation, uh-huh. I said, I want us to have a talk. Like, can we just have drinks? Do it over the phone. I want us to talk. And I kept asking and I kept saying. She's and- always been like the little fly buzzing around, not giving up. I mean, oh, she's like, bzz, I want what I want. Bzz, bzz. <laughs> so I just kept pushing. But and that's I, brave. And it, well, no, that's brave. You should acknowledge the fact that you stepped out there. I mean, you were like, take a look at this. It's okay. Well, then, I I, then I finally just wrote that. So that was my way of of writing it and saying, you know, using our situation as a vehicle to talk about the greater issue. But I do think it was partly my way of saying, I'm still out here and would still like to talk about this. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we just naturally started stepping, you know, tiptoeing into the water. It a little required bit. you to be brave enough to say it because I'm not great with conflict. I would rather just kind of keep going along, and we would have kept going along, I think. I think so, but we would have kept separating because I don't – I can't let go of something emotionally. Like when I feel like there's a wrong, I can't come in and pretend. Like I have never been good at that. Um, It sounds like you're both coming to these conversations out of a fear of losing each other. Absolutely. For me – Yes. 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 Yeah. No, no, I'm not. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I'm not saying that I'm like, yes. And is for me like, like, yes, obviously. But also the stakes are so fucking high right now. Like to Steph's point for me, the stakes are very, very high. Also, like both of us have daughters. We've got daughters that are about to go off to college where like, what if your daughter, God forbid, accidentally gets pregnant? If she does not have access to an abortion that changes the entire course of her future, unnecessarily so. And the same stakes are there for my daughter. And, you know, my daughter right now claims bisexuality. What am I going to say to her? You can only live in five states. You know, the stakes are fucking high. There was something we were talking about. I think it was when Me Too was like splattered out there and somebody that I worked with when I first started working, we did, would chase the the girls around into the stock room and, you know, pretend like This was at McDonald's. He was like 35. Like she was 16 when she started working there and then she got me a job when I was 16. But his wife would be like, I'd be like, deal with this. And she's like, I got to deal with it all the time. And he would pinch asses. But we would would, always, but we agreed when we were talking about it that he was, um... Just that's just who he was, and he was harmless. And then Robin said something. She's like, "Now, pretend that's Sydney." And I was like, mm. 
murder. Oh yeah, I was like, well, I just kick his she's ass. Like, and, and it was like, and I could hear. But it was. I, was I like, could hear the moment yeah. really land for her. And she. And oh, like, ever just, since then, it happened again. It's been totally different that conversation. So I, so I have to sometimes think about like I come from a we come from a family that's like power through, deal with it. But now I have to say, wait a minute, what if that's Sydney? What if mm. that's Maxine? What if that's Henry? I like I love that this is coming up because this is something that I often think about. And it's like, I think that your ability to like have a Robin in your life or have a Sydney in your life makes you a more whole human, right? Mm -hmm. It helps you empathize with other people. It helps you understand what other people are going through. But something that I think about often is the trickle down, like the levels of that. Because, you know, I think you're seeing Robin and um, Sydney as these two people that you need to care for and watch out for. And I sometimes think like, okay, well, what about me? Like my partner's trans, you know, if I want to marry that person, what does that look like? If I want to have children with that person, what does that look like? If I want to live in a state with that person, what does that look like? And the, the different people that we just like have access to empathizing with because mm-hmm. we know them. Yes. Right? Really, like your ability to see different things is because you have a Robin and because you're willing to listen. That's a huge That's part a of huge it. That's a huge part. But I just do think there's like so many people that don't have a child, don't have a queer person in their life, don't have have no knowledge to have any point of reference. And without a point of reference, all this other noise is what's informing your opinions. We're all in echo chambers. You know, like I feel like before we grew up in upstate New York, there was a couple of black families, one black family in my high school. That was it. Mm -hmm. I didn't know anyone Jewish. I came down here. And I worked for this organization called Youth at Risk. Mm. And I worked with kids in group homes. And I worked with kids, um, like LGBTQ kids who had been kicked out of um, their house and lived in a foster care or, you know, just kids just at risk. And I, for the first time in my life, because you talk about access, I saw... Because, again, just to reiterate, our dad was like, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm. She had to, when she left college, she had a job as a a mortgage or at a bank and she'd make enough money. So she had to work at McDonald's at night. That's just what you did in our family. And that was always our thing. But then I got here and I saw these kids and I was like, oh, we started on second base, even with our shitty families. We started on second base. They start in a community where you're not in a school that's as good. Your family may be working multiple jobs or you may only have one parent in the house. Mm -hmm. So it's like all of these things together, they're not even on the field. And to not act like race is a factor in that, I didn't see that. I was just like, I could pull myself up. point of reference. Right. So I think when you're having conversations, there has to be an openness and empathy to seeing other people's point of view. But how, let's say you weren't willing to meet me there, like a family who's like ours, like you and I are on a little bit on opposite sides. How do you tell them that like somebody's got to be open, somebody's got to listen because we're not listening. And that to me is the heart of the problem. And I don't know if we'll have the answer, but. You were brave. You weren't willing to take me doing just high level. Hey, we're all good. You wouldn't take that. You have to be brave. I think I should have been brave. I should have been doing it too. I should have been saying, we we need to sit down and talk. It's not the responsibility of any one person or group or side. I hate, and I hate, there's got to be a better word than side because side implies that you're 
like this, that you're fighting against each other. And that's not it. We're all on the same side. I hope trying to get through it, no matter what it is, you have to keep that level of communication open. We stayed connected. We weren't connected the way that we are now or the way that we wanted to be, but we didn't just go F you. I'm out of here. You know, you don't agree with what I agree with. So, you know, I'm done. You know, I don't give up on people that I love. I don't give up on my family. Um, So you don't give up. Mm. Keep trying. Keep putting it out there. And maybe maybe people need to hear it in a different way. I mean, the way that I need to hear things might not be the same way that you need to hear things. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I just know that it's not just shutting everybody out. Yeah. We're all struggling through the same pile of crap. You know, some people worse, some people better, but you got to keep connected. I think that's the worst part for me sometimes is I feel like we are all like pawns being pitted against one another. We Media, are, but that's you know, why you need to vote. And that's why you need to hold people accountable. Is I, I don't know the answer on that. I mean, we joke. I'm like, we should go run. You know, we'd hit both sides. I would, I'd make like four seconds. Like I couldn't even be on the PTO because oh, no, I was like, look at my I was face. Like, this is some inefficient bullshit. I was like, I can't be here. But like, wouldn't that? Well, you'd no, I can't. S- I can't do it. In in therapy, I talk to my therapist a lot about like the difference between hurt and harm, which I think is like oh, that's interesting. Interesting Same right now, it's like me. someone can hurt your feelings and someone can hurt you. You know, you maybe you want to be like, hey, you hurt me. Like, let's talk about this. But harming someone is different. And I think about this a lot with like my parents, which maybe you can both relate to. Like, did they hurt me or are they harming me? Is the thing that they're doing hurting me? And it's like maybe going to make it difficult for my future or maybe going to whatever. Or is this like actively harm? Am I having like a fight or flight response? Is my ability to live at danger? Like all of these basic human things. Yeah. You know, do I not have food? Do I not have water? Do I not have shelter? Right. And for me, that's like a really hard. I, I think it's a really good distinction when I'm upset to like go to like, I'm like, OK, is this hurting my feelings or am I like at am I being harmed? harmed? Yeah. Is it hurting my feelings and why? And like, am I being harmed? Because I think if it's hurt, you can come back from it. But if it's harm, it's, you, need to, yeah. it's, you need to get out. Yeah. And I think just to relate this back to politics, a lot of times when people who are less fortunate than Robin and I have their rights at risk, it feels and is harm. Like it's not hurt. And so the ability to meet the person and say like, Hey, this is hurting me is not there. Like I think so many people are being harmed by the political system that they can't get to the point of that conversation. Right. Right. Well, and that's why I think you see like the BLM movement and the anger and the looting. And I'm never for that, but I understand the anger. Like I, I understand that, but I wish it's always like, it's like anytime like a gay person comes out and does something bad, I'm always like, Oh, I'm like, this is going to well, be yeah, so because, bad for us. Well, yeah, but that's like, the same. It's like, did, really? Did you have, have to, to do that? No. Did you have to open your mouth and say that stupid thing? Yeah. No. no. I said that to get to a point, which I know it didn't feel like I was doing because I was just like, <laughs> and that's why things are terrible. <laughs> um, but <Mic> drop. <laughs> the point, I think, is that, you know, we were talking about the like different layers of access you have. That is, I know that some people hate this word, but that is privilege, right? Like, that's what we talk about when we talk about privilege. But I think with that comes the responsibility to protect the people that are at harm. So, like, I think Robin and I have a responsibility 
to have these conversations for people in the world who are more harmed by them because they they can't. And in the same way, I think you have the responsibility to have these conversations on for people on the other side that are less able to, you know, and that mm-hmm. puts the weight on the people in the middle. But to me, what's coming out of this conversation is that maybe that's possible. Yeah, I think well, it's possible. Hopeful ending. <laughs> no, I mean, I think She's our- like, you two could sit and just bullshit for hours we gotta no, move I, this along I, we need an ending um but i do think though that like we have made progress and we are able to talk about it like we are not a video show so no one could see kim's face when i brought up uh uh oh. blm and the looting the reason i bring it up because oh, I, I made a face i didn't just realize they made a face i probably did yeah but it's like we now have indicators of how we're swimming this conversation. When I see you make that face, because you do make, you don't know that your oh, face. No, I make faces. But I know when you make that face, I know I'm stepping into a territory that is not, uh, you are not maybe fully aligned. And then I know I have to approach it more cautiously and more open. So it doesn't mean you have to step away from it. No. But it means you need to be thoughtful and, and vice versa. Yes, I know I, my language has to shift. I know I... I need to maybe just approach it a little more gently. And I know the last thing that I need to do is just be like, what, you got something to say about BLM? Like, cause that's like, <laughs> no, like I, I know that that's an opportunity for us to find common ground for maybe for me to be able to say something that might illuminate it in a different way, because no one at this table has ever been called the n-word we have never experienced any of that so we can't speak to that what anger that that would bring and whether that's the right thing to do or not you know what i mean and i think that is the opportunity and i keep i don't mean to harp on the face but when i see the face that's the opportunity that i now look at it as versus like here we are not fucking lined up again like if i go there we're gonna get be further apart then it shut down yes now i'm gonna watch you to see if you make the face on stuff I've never realized this before, and maybe you have, but, like, was that your role in your family? Like, the mediator, the, like... No, that was my role. Interesting. Well, we had two different childhoods. We really did, separate. So we're six and a half years apart. So she graduated high school, and then our parents divorced. I was in sixth grade when they divorced. And so she had this whole time with them together, and then she went out on her own, and then I got my drunk mom alone with all the men coming in and out. Ugh. And so we had a completely different experience. There was no interaction in our family like before the divorce. I mean, it was very separate. Dad did his work. Mom did I don't even know what. And I was off doing my things and you had your friends in the neighborhood. When we were separate, you and mom had the conflict. I was the mediator there. But I did take on the role of trying to fix as I went on a self-help journey or trying to fix myself, I then became the person to be like, can I help her? Can I fix her? Can I save her? So I answered for you, but do you feel like you were the mediator? I and feel maybe like, that's my perception. I, maybe feel like I'm I, was, like, I feel like you might have... Maybe I thought I was that, but I wasn't. It's not that I didn't think you were the mediator. It's that like I, at that time, was like, my family meant nothing to me. And I hope this doesn't, it's no, not, you know. I was gone. I, I was like, I can't leave them fast enough. And that meant all of them. Well, that's like your safety was yes. at risk. It's like the yeah, same and I was thing. Just you like, were exactly what you said. There was harm. Yeah, I was like, I'm was... going to blow this up and I'm going to go create something new over here. Yeah, and I no did. ability to mediate when yeah. you are no. unsafe. We didn't come back in our relationship until years after college. I know when it was. I thought about this. When you got out out of college and you moved to New York, I started coming to visit yeah. and we 
but I was 24. Yeah. Like we were but, not close no. in mm-hmm. any way. Like, so it's not that I didn't see you as a mediator. It's just like, I didn't see, you like didn't see I was me. blowing I was up off. all of it. I was like, I, I was ready to let everything go. I was going to cut ties with the whole family. And you just kept showing up. Like you just kept calling. Like if you hadn't kept calling, we would not have a relationship to this day. Cause I just, I wrote you off with them. Like that was all, and I not, not that easy I'm to sorry. get, a ra- you sure know, get away with from. the Walmart so calls. Who's the annoying bug now? I am. <laughs> I am. But like, I am proud of us for being willing to be uncomfortable. Like, I mean, I wasn't even sure you would do this, but I, I'm glad that we're open for our relationship to be talking about this because I didn't, I didn't want that to be like, oh, then we just. Because otherwise we're just committing to, well, I guess that's it. We don't visit them anymore. Or we do our annual visit. Yeah, and, and, we it's, keep and it, it's all whatever. bullshit. Yeah. Like, I'm not committed to a bullshit life. I was like, I know this would be so relevant for so many people. Like, we, timely. we are not alone It is timely. This. And, and we we're are about to alone. go into the same exact election cycle as four years ago. And I wanted I wanted all to go away. I'd rather people just, like, don't watch the news and listen to this on repeat. Well, thank you for having me and listening and being the brave one to, you know, not just let it be, you know, simmering under the under the radar there. Well, I love I you. I love you. I love you too. You have reached the well-adjusting expert of the day. I'm Tanya Israel. I'm a professor of counseling psychology at UC Santa Barbara, and I wrote a book called Beyond Your Bubble about how to have dialogue across political lines. One of the big challenges that we have in this politically polarized environment is that we have these ideas in our heads about who those other people are. And usually the ideas in our head are that the people who disagree with us are extremists, that they are uninformed or misinformed. And it turns out that these are cognitive biases that we have, that it's just flaws in our operating system as human beings, where we tend to view people who are on another side of something very narrowly and in a skewed way. So correcting our perception of other people can be helpful. Turning down the volume on some of those messages that we're getting through media and social media can be helpful. And then saying, you know, I really want to understand what somebody's like. And here, I've got somebody right in front of me who can help me to do that. And so thinking about them as somebody who can be helpful to you and understanding rather than seeing them as the opposition. The first thing you need to do is have curiosity. You have to really want to understand. And that's got to be a priority for you higher than getting your point across. The next thing you need to do is listen. Uh, You need to actually pay attention to what they're saying and try to process that. And then rather than responding with your own view, respond with what you just heard them say. So summarize a little bit of something that they said back to them. And that's going to, first of all, make sure that you actually are paying attention and listening. And it's also going to help them to feel like you care and that you're listening to them. People often think that they're going to go into a conversation and somebody's going to do a 180 and come around and, you know, say, oh my gosh, you're right. I was completely wrong all this time. Thank you for those four studies that you cited because that changes everything in terms of the way I see the world. It's just not realistic. So the 
the first and probably best goal that we can have is to really, really try to understand someone else's perspective. So some of that is about understanding what their opinion is, but what's even better for perspective taking is understanding how somebody came to their view, understanding the values and experiences that informed them. So it's not so much about sharing stats and slogans, but it's really about sharing stories. Certainly in these conversations, our buttons can get pushed and the emotions can rise. So one of the things that you can do is Work on some simple things to manage your emotions, just so that you can maintain your equilibrium and stay in the conversation. Even taking a few slow, deep breaths is helpful in terms of bringing down our fight, flight, or freeze response. Just touch your hand, just a little physical touch, or notice the feeling of the chair beneath you. Any of those things that kind of bring you back into your body and calm your system can help you to stay present in that conversation. I honestly think that there's an opportunity in this because the same kinds of skills that are going to help us to have dialogue across political lines are the same skills that are going to help us to be better partners, better parents, better coworkers and community members. So this is unquestionably a moment of crisis in our democracy with the kind of division and polarization that we have. But it can also be an opportunity for us to really deepen our skills and our relationships and strengthen our democracy. Okay, everybody, we did it. We made it through a political conversation. We did not yell once. And I have to say thank you to my sister, Kim, for one, just showing up and the willingness to talk about, you know, what I think can be a very uncomfortable topic. And a humongous thank you to Tanya for her incredible advice on how to maintain relationships when folks have diametrically opposed views. I think it's going to help a lot of folks this holiday season. For more Robin, and you may need that, you probably don't need it, but like if you do, you can follow me at Real Rob Hops on all the platforms, all the socials, as the kids today say. Well Adjusting is an edit audio original, exec produced by Steph Colburn and Robin Hopkins. Thank you to Maria Passingham, Kathleen Speckert, and the whole edit audio team. Oh, hey, before you take out those AirPods, this show is just for entertainment. If you are in need of help, please, please, please reach out to a professional. Go ahead and get that help. You deserve it. Hey, y'all, I have a question for you. Have you been listening to Well Adjusting and secretly or maybe not so secretly thinking, geez, I have a problem. And I bet Robin and producer Steph might actually be able to help me make some headway. Now, if that's the case, I have to tell you, this is your sign from the universe to reach out to us about being on Well Adjusting. I'm telling you, it is a sign. Get in touch. It's so simple. Just email us at hello at editaud.io, or you can hit me up on the socials. I'm at at RealRobHops on all the platforms. And I have to tell you, we would love to hear from you. We'd love to have you on the show. 
What is it that you are waiting for? Hit us up. Let's solve the world's problems. No, okay, that, that bar is way too high. Let's, let's just have some laughs and, and get into it. We're going to all feel better for doing so, I swear. 